Hey everyone, just so y'all know, Carter and I recorded this interview with Gracie a little bit before the publication date for The Last Fallen Moon was pushed back due to supply chain issues. So just disregard anywhere that we say June 7th. Today is June 14th, the official new release day for The Last Fallen Moon. It is out on shelves everywhere today. Go get yourself a copy and enjoy this interview. Welcome back to a special episode of Seaweed Brain. We have not been here doing a special episode in a hot second, so we're really excited to be back with the one and only Gracie Kim. We're going to be talking about The Last Fallen Moon today, sequel to The Last Fallen Star, dropping June 7th, so stick around. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hi, Gracie. <laughs> nice intro. <laughs> We've gotten better. Professional and slick. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Love your work. <laughs> we love your work. I'm going to do what we did last time and read your website bio, which has changed it's quite changed. a bit <laughs> since the last time you were here. <laughs> I'm sorry to make you sit through this, but here we go. <laughs> Bask in your own glory. Gracie Kim is the best-selling author of The Last Fallen Star, book one in the Korean mythology-inspired middle-grade fantasy series called A Sparkling Yarn by Entertainment Weekly and featured in Time Magazine. The Gifted Clans trilogy has been optioned by the Disney Channel for a live-action television series. It was named a 2021 Goodreads Choice Award nominee for Best Middle Grade and Children's Book, an Amazon Editor's Pick for Best Book, an Indigo Best Book, and Publisher's Lunch Buzz Book. Gracie is also a contributing author of The Cursed Carnival and Other Calamities short story collection published by Rick Riordan Presents, Disney Hyperion, which became an instant New York Times bestseller. In a previous life, Gracie was a diplomat for the New Zealand Foreign Service, a cooking show host, and once ran a business that turned children's drawings into cuddly toys. She lives in New Zealand with her husband and daughter. You can find her sometimes on Twitter at Gracie Kim, more often on Instagram at Gracie Kim Writes, and always at her website, www.gracycam.com. Woohoo! That was only a little bit painful. <laughs> <laughs> we actually went back to the outline for the old show that we did and just looked at the two bios side by side and we we're like, we have to do it again. This is the updated this is one. Like, what a powerful <laughs> growth, change, growth, transformation. Change, yes. Also, congratulations on the Disney option. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's so exciting, but also I think it's really important for me to be very grounded about that. You hear a lot in publishing that it's no, 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 until you get a yes. Mm -hmm. But that I've heard in in the screen world in Hollywood, it's almost the opposite. You get yes, 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 until it's a no. So we'll be calm about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely like a first step in a very long 
brutal process <laughs> as an actor totally understand you would <laughs> um, our first question for you after reading your incredible bio you know what is fame like how's the past year been <laughs> you published your first book it was a total hit has your day-to-day life changed at all has your writing process or schedule changed at all okay i mean first of all <laughs> fame <laughs> fame you're famous to us <laughs> Um, the last year has been absolutely wild, I have to say. You know, I was just writing the story that I thought little me would have wanted to read mm-hmm. and then other people have enjoyed it and that to me has just been absolutely wild. But my day-to-day has not really changed at all because, um, well, you know, thanks to our dear friend, the covid covid <laughs> The pandemic. The pandemic, the pandemic, the panini. <laughs> I have not really done much. So, you know, originally I was supposed to travel to the US and do this amazing tour and mm. it was going to be amazing and I didn't get to do any of that. So to to be honest, I feel like I'm living this kind of weird life where online, supposedly I'm an author and my day-to-day life, I'm like just still me in my room, you know, I'm wearing like, our listeners can't see, but I'm wearing like arm warmers. I'm just, you know, lounging. So it's kind of a disjunct and it's kind of awesome actually, because it's nice. I feel like I can do what I love and still feel really protected in my bubble. And um, yeah, although uh, I understand that in the end of late June, I'm going to be traveling to the US. <gasps> Um, all going oh, wow. well so oh, that will be really cool wow if you come to new york oh, yeah. i'm coming to the event <laughs> catch me at barnes and noble um, that takes me to our little next question about you know the publicity and the the self-marketing author process which you talked a little bit about the last time you were here you've got these amazing like printouts of your face that people can take to barnes and noble <laughs> since you weren't able to travel around First of all, where did that idea come from? And has the process of the author marketing gotten any easier? I'm shaking my head because no, (laughs) it's so hard. And, you know, I think not all writers, but I think a lot of writers are a bit like me that, you know, we're a little introverted and kind of weird and goofy and kind of (laughs) timid. And so the idea of putting yourself out there and be like, look at me, look what I've done. I have to actively fight the gag reflex to do a lot of it <laughs> it's really hard but in terms of how the face cut idea happened <laughs> so so i got this email one day earlier in the year saying oh hush hush we can't we can't reveal right now but barnes and nobles has picked the last fall and star paperback because the paperback has just come out in may mm-hmm. as their monthly pick for young readers for the month of may and I was like, whoa, because that's huge. That's yeah. like every single store in the US. That's like 600 stores, Incredible. each with like their own display table with my book. And I was like, no, 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 no. You've got the wrong person. Definitely not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but somehow it was real. And I honestly, my first thought was, oh, that's so sad that I can't be there because I wanted to go around to every single store and sign all the books (laughs) and, you know, make a big thing out of it because when do you get to say that your, you know, your book is in the Barnes and Noble little tables and stuff? Anyway, so I thought I can't go, but maybe I could go. (laughs) 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 Um, so this one year uh, for my mum's birthday my mum loves um, she's she's very unlike me in that she likes 
big things, you know, like she likes being made a fuss of and mm. <laughs> big gestures and things. And so for her birthday one year, uh, our entire family created these face cutouts um, and we wore them like masks and we all wore <laughs> matching t-shirts with, again, her face on them. And we just like tagged her with like face, face, you know, everything. Um, and she just thought it was the best thing ever. Um, she was actually quite mortified. And I remember thinking, ooh, what if we do that? You know, I mean, nobody's going to do it except for my close friends, but oh, well, I'll just put you know, a cutout of my face blowing up as a PDF on my website that people can download. And maybe I'll just create a little reel saying, you know, if you want, you can print out my face and take me to Barnes and Noble and I will love you forever. (laughs) And people have been doing it. And it's just so much fun. This morning, the Barnes and Noble in Pensacola in Florida Mm. have had their entire team get their faces together. Um, And they've created... Okay, after this, please watch it because it will bring you, hopefully, a fraction of the joy that it brought me. They've, like, created a reel, and it's hilarious. So I'm just having the time of my life because I almost get the best of both worlds. Like, I'm in the comfort of my home, which is, you know, my place, my safe place. And then I still get to be in all the Barnes and Nobles. Oh, my God. That's the best. Best. I mean, you are giving the Barnes, all the people who run the Barnes and Noble social media accounts also something to do and like content to post, which is just like a win-win for everyone. Oh, thank you for noticing. I, I honestly thought like two of my friends would be like, oh yeah, that's cool, let's do that. Um, but... oh, I loved it. In my, in my like, you know, I used to do high school theater and my one of our friend's parents would print yes. out the cardboard face cut out of one of and our classmates every year. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he was never like really a big actor or anything. So it was just, he would always just be in the ensemble of the shows kind of begrudgingly. But every time we would come out on opening night wearing his face um, and we would take pictures in groups where we were all had his face on. And it's a great tradition. We should do it more often. Yeah, Face honestly. cutouts are the greatest thing ever. And you know what is also great? For people who don't like having their photo taken but want to support fellow authors or fellow um, thespians or whoever it is, it's a safe way of doing it because they can take a photo without having to show their own face, which I think is actually yeah. quite cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I would love to support other people, but I often don't want to, you know, like put my makeup on or like put myself <laughs> out there. But yeah, if I just have to hold a sheet in front of my face and I still get to support and be part of the fun. I feel like that's kind of cool. Incredible. It's perfect. It's perfect. All right. Should we move on to some process, some book questions? Yeah. So <laughs> the first process question we have is, you know, since we talked to you for the last book, we were wondering what your transition was between these? Like, did you step away on the writing side? Was it just sort of a streamlined, straight through vision, writing process, etc.? I mean, you're doing a book a year for the trilogy. So we imagine that's pretty, that's a pretty fantastic, intense. Like, intense process. <laughs> so people often talk about the second book being the most painful thing you'll ever do. Mm. Like there's something to do with, you know, the first book, it's your, your baby and your, it's like all your hopes and dreams are in that first child, you know, like you're willing to go above and beyond to like rip it apart, pull it apart, you know, because you want it to succeed. Okay, it's like raising children. <laughs> yeah. And then I've heard from fellow authors that the second book is really tough because it's like you did the first time around and now you just, you're filled with questions and doubts and, you know, like, do I continue on? Like, there's just so many questions. Like, do I continue on the style that I did? Do I write the same way? What have I learned? I've learned too much. You know, there's just so much second guessing involved. I didn't have any of that. 
which is really weird for this book. And I suspect Period. it's because it's part of a series. You mm. know, I didn't have to come up with new characters. I didn't have to come up with a new storyline because I had the general idea of the three books at the very beginning before nice. I started. So I kind of knew where I wanted this to start and end. So it wasn't so bad. In saying that, I'm currently trying to revise the third book and I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't, I will rather, yesterday, um, don't tell my publisher, but I spent the entire day cleaning my house. <laughs> I mean, like, cleaning the house. like the cleaning. So good. Um, I was like, you know, like, grouting in showers and stuff. I was right in there. I was, like, right in there. That's the intense yeah. stuff. Anything to keep me from opening my manuscript. So I suspect I'm having like that second book mm. woe in my third book. Right. Um, and I think process-wise it's because, I don't know, I guess I open lots of boxes in the first books. And, you know, this is, like I know this is the final book, so I feel like there's a lot riding on closing all those boxes in a satisfying yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To be honest, I don't quite know why it's been so difficult this third time around, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's you know, good to know. <laughs> when we read the third book, we'll be like, wow, it, it was, it must have been so easy. There would have been no strife at all. It's all tied up so nice and neatly. Or you'll never read it because it will never get done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, it's funny that you mentioned like having the outline of all three books because we were just been talking this afternoon about how many new characters there are in this second book and how basically, you know, I guess spoilers for The Last Fallen Star, if you're listening to this. Um, at the end of the last book, most of Riley's friends and family lose their memories of her. So we're jumping into the second book with all of those relationships in kind of like starting over at like point A um, and having to enter into those relationships in a new way. And then also jumping into this new world, into the spirit realm yeah. and fi- meeting all of these new characters. So we're curious about like how you handled like so much world building in this book. So when I was learning the craft of writing, I remember being told not to look at the plotting of a book. You can't just sit down and say, this is going to happen. And then, oh, I'd like maybe this type of thing to happen. And then maybe a little bit of magic here. It has to be (laughs) consequential. So whatever happens, like whatever is the inciting incident that starts off the adventure has to lead on to the next thing. And then as a result of those consequences, something else has to happen. So everything has to build like a snowball or else the story doesn't flow. And so even though I knew where the kind of three book general path would go, I kind of started drafting the beginning of book two and realized, oh, nobody remembers her anymore. Right. (laughs) Uh, Who is she going to hang out with for this adventure? Uh, It was almost out of necessity, I guess. I mean, I knew she was going to go down to the spirit realm. And I knew the main character that she was going to meet. But uh, in terms of everybody else, I think they just came out of the woodworks naturally for the sake of her journey, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I'm realizing also we haven't done like a, a brief setup for the plot of this book. For anyone who's listening who hasn't, you know, read any blurbs yet in preparation for this episode, shame on you for not doing your homework. <laughs> um, basically, at the start of the book, um, we, we meet back up with Riley. 
she's still living with her, you know, her family and, and Hattie is back, but Hattie is, you know, perhaps a little bit ill. She's sleeping for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And basically none of the Gom tribe have their powers anymore because of everything that went down at the end of the last fallen star. So Riley decides to embark on this mission to the spirit realm to talk to Saint Hojin? Hojin. Yeah. Hojin. Um, to try to encourage him to become the new patron god of the Gome tribe yes. um, and restore everyone's powers, save the day. And of course, she embarks on this journey completely alone at the start of the book, again, mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to, like, like many heroes and heroines we know, doesn't want to get anyone else involved in her mess. But when she gets to the spirit realm, she does meet some new faces and some old familiar faces yeah. who are trapped down here to uh, go on this journey with her. Yeah, we wanted to ask about this, particularly because, like, the experience of reading this book, I guess similarly to the first book, was very different, I felt, from a lot of other books that I read, specifically when it comes to how propulsive it was. Like, the (laughs) amount of turns that make sense, but that are just very completely changing the direction of what I expect we're going to be doing for the next few chapters is so high. Like, when we first get to the underworld, you know, she pulls out her little map and I'm like, okay, this is probably what we're going to yeah, be doing like, for the book, Yeah, we know where right? we're going. Yeah, I got she, this. Yeah. She says, like, there are these people that she's probably going to meet and these are the, like, trials that they have set up for her. And I was like, okay, great. That's probably the whole book, right? And then, no. We blast <laughs> through that and we're on to something else. I wanted to ask about just how how you manage that, I guess. Like, how, like what, what do you have to do to be able to string all of these very diverse things together and and to have these twists like pay off so so quickly um, in in the book i actually think it's one of my weaknesses actually because i'm my brain is so restless Mm. i find it amazing when i'm reading books and in terms of plot not a lot is happen but you feel so sucked in and you're like hanging off every word and dialogue and every small thing that's happening and we're just like engrossed in it I wish I could do that magic I think my brain is I mentioned restless before I'm such a restless brain yeah and I get bored and so I'm like okay well what's gonna happen now I'm not good at reading boring books so this is the book for me yay <laughs> yeah I think just naturally my brain wants something fun to happen um i don't know maybe it's a like a product of our generation now you know like everything is short form and we're you know Mm -hmm. even like tweets are short and i don't know captions on photos we Mm -hmm. have to consume information in such bites or else we get bored right and i don't necessarily think that's probably a good thing longer term but that is just how my brain works so yeah i'm just like oh and this is going to happen. Ooh, and this is going to happen. <laughs> and one of the things um, I got as a tip from a writer friend, which I love, is every time you're stuck at a plot point about what's going to happen next in the story, think about the worst possible thing you could do to your character. And, <laughs> <you know. laughs> and then what makes a good book is how your character weasels their way out of that situation to their right. triumph. Like that's the story. Um, but your job as the writer is to create the challenges and obstacles in their way so that the main character can write their own story. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's such excellent writerly advice um, yes. for all our writers who are listening. <laughs> um, we were talking about different, I guess, like story archetypes that we like 
or relationship archetypes that we were pulling on bits of and like we were talking like oh the wizard of oz is there's elements of that um story in here there's elements of the relationship between chihiro and haku in um <laughs> spirited away between doll and that uh, was our first Riley. reading energy we were like what is going on here there's like something he's kind of leading but like where is this gonna go it's like almost like big brother energy but like maybe like but maybe uh, who not knows? like I, <laughs> um were there any like you know other story inspirations that mapped onto this book for you or other pieces of media that were inspiring um besides of course the pantheon of korean mythology that's such a good question i think yes 100 percent yes but i think mostly subconsciously because mm, yes, i find yes. often I don't even realize it's happening. In fact, it frightens me sometimes because, um, you know, we consume so much content from so many different avenues, right? And I don't think we realize how much we're taking in. And so as a creator, and I, I think this is for all mediums, but as a creator, you're creating, but nothing is truly ever original. Nothing, right. you know, because yeah. we're taking from every aspect <laughs> of life. And like I said, sometimes I worry that I'm stealing from someone. You know, mm-hmm. and what if I've memorized, like subconsciously memorized, I don't know, an entire line from somewhere which I read <laughs> yeah, that really yeah. resonated with me so much? What if I recreate it without even realizing it? You know, mm-hmm. so I think 100% definitely inspired by things, but I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly from what. Although, so not for Dal, but there is another character that definitely is inspired by someone specific is um, the, oh, can I? Is this a spoiler? No. <laughs> we can figure a, it out in the editing room. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a, the king of the underworld, basically. The king of the underworld, who I definitely thought of um, the actor Imin Ho. Yes. Imin Ho? We wanted to follow up about that. <laughs> that was a question. I love him. <laughs> I adore him. I think I even specifically mentioned his name there. So, oh, several times. I did? Oh, right, right, right. There we do, go. Do you have a favorite Imin Ho role? Are there a particular? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, okay. Let's just, let's just make this about Imin Ho. Right? Um, so, <laughs> I think it was in the 90s when he was on the drama Boys Over Flowers. Do you, have you guys heard of Boys Over Flowers? We Gosh. had many foundational <laughs> high school conversations about... Boys Over Flowers Both versions. I mean, there are like so many versions of it. Yeah. Like they just did the Thai adaptation yes. last year. <laughs> but yes, oh, yes. It's originally Japanese, right? The yeah, it was like a Japanese, Japanese manga first. Yeah. And then they did like Taiwan and they did yes. Japan. And they, it was just like, oh, yeah. Of course, of course. That was when I met him and I totally fell in love with him. <laughs> I mean, he's a douchey character and that is me, but I loved him. Um, yeah. And then more recently, I loved him in... Um, King Eternal Monarch. Yeah, oh, sure. Netflix. It's, a Netflix, yeah, Netflix it's a Netflix one where he's giving historical historical Yeah, I watched garb. it with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are also fans. Isn't your mom in particular like so, yeah, Imin Ho specifically? Right. She has a calendar, yeah. That my like, dad <gasps> got her. <laughs> of just Imin Ho? Yes. <laughs> a new picture for everyone. It tracks. Really? Yes. Oh, I love her. <laughs> tell her, tell her I can share with share with her. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you one as well. <laughs> so, as we mentioned, there like she begins the journey, Riley, like by herself into the underworld, and 
I guess it is like a very light spoiler to say that she, you know, like duh, encounters other people there. She's not just by herself the whole time. But um, you weave such an interesting balance between having these elements of the classical hero's journey that is very soloistic in with such a, you know, like rich, resonant ensemble feeling to it where, you know, we have all of these lovely detailed characters from the first book that are so like rich and specific and who were like introduced to so meticulously in sequence. And then also all these new characters that we're carrying so many, so many people with us and such an understanding both in like the form of the novel and also in just like the plot and what she's going through about mm -hmm. like the degree to which she's interacting with these people. And I don't know what the question is to come out of this. Just like, how did you do this? How, how, how did you plan for this to work out. I think challenges also in like writing a story for Riley where she intended to go on this journey alone and she is a really introspective kid. And she mm -hmm. mentioned sort of, you know, when she's in some of her trials in the spirit realm, how she has a tendency to hide things from people. And yeah. she's not always the most honest um, while balancing that, that storytelling with this fun gang of unlikely characters who join up together and all have magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. Often I think of my own life and I think of all the people that make me who I am mm. and it's almost like you know when people can congratulate me on my successes or whatever I always find it really um, uncomfortable um, mostly because of just who I am and my upbringing and I think mm. cultural upbringing as well <laughs> but also because I feel like I am like you see me but but with me are mm -hmm. everybody else yeah. that I stand with and that I choose to be with and that people who support me and stand with me and I don't know I just think it's so cool I just love stories when there's a world of characters because yeah. um that's what life is like you know yeah. and I don't know I guess the challenge is when you do have lots of characters is to make each one memorable and different so that you're not just talking heads without any kind of separate you know you just don't remember them right like who's mm -hmm. that person again um, <laughs> and I, I think I'm still learning that I'm still learning how to do that um, and then there are obviously there are consequences to these actions because like I said here I am in book three and I have billions of people <laughs> but all the better to all the better characters to join into a big final battle you know I know I, I, the I'm more really characters ready. the better we've expanded so much it's so impressive the degree to like the way you carry all of these people together and are just accumulating more Sorry, that sounds like As you're mounting more life. pressure As we in, do in life. <laughs> on the final book. But I'm very excited. I'm very, I feel that I have so much emotional investment throughout these two books that has like really prepared us for where this is going. Oh, we're excited. We're really excited for the last following. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, can I just say thank you so much? You guys are um, showering me with so much praise and I don't really know quite how to take it. I'm feeling quite hot. Um, but I'm also very, very grateful because <laughs> uh, you know it's quite solitary writing and yeah. you know especially now when I'm struggling so much um, it's just it's actually it's not giving me pressure it's giving it's arming me with a lot of ammo to tackle those revisions so thank you oh good <laughs> Heck yeah okay fun oh. fun bitty questions that will that will border yeah. on spoilers but I think we're fine um <laughs> So I don't know, maybe this is, if you're like really, really terrified of getting aspects of this book spoiled, I guess, you know, close your ears now. But we do establish that the spirit realm has um, a lot of similarities with New York City and the various boroughs of New York City, particularly 
that Midtown Manhattan is equivalent to hell and Queens <laughs> is equivalent to heaven. I literally, earlier today, was on the 7 train and this is all I was thinking about. I was like, I'm going from hell to heaven right now. Yes, Carter and I, <laughs> Carter and I are coming to you live from Long Island City, Queens, New York, aka heaven. <laughs> um, what's your backstory of traveling around New York? And, you know, we talk a lot about Rick Riordan's um, incorporation of New York City into his books and how in the original series it maybe seemed like he hadn't been to New York all <laughs> And then it's sort of, you know, we grow with more specificity and details as we were like, oh, yeah, Rick Rick was doing some trips for research to yeah, New York City. Yeah. So what's your background, yeah, when traveling to New York and where did that come from? did you pick New from? York? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First of all, I'm just like Rick. I have never been to New York. Yes! Whoa, I never. Wow. You did a better job. <laughs> Dying to go. And I wished I could have gone last year. But one day I will go. Um, and my future references hopefully will be better. Um, I spent a lot of time on the internet um, and on Google Maps. <laughs> yes! Yeah, yeah walking Maps. around the streets on the virtual view. Like, really, really, lots of walking on virtual view. I love that. Timing things. But I've always had, like many people, such a romantic idea of New York. Not so mm. much, like, for me, it's not so much like the big buildings in Manhattan and the, you know, big bright lights and skyscrapers. It's more what people tell me about the vibe of New York being such a diverse place of people from everywhere and where anything goes, you know, Mm -hmm. like the place of chaos and all possibility. I've always just been so amazed with it. And also because I felt like the first book was so rooted in LA Mm -hmm. and I wanted to give it another concrete setting and I just thought New York would be awesome. So I picked New York and then I thought a lot about how heaven and hell would look in New York. And then I talked to a lot of New Yorkers and they were like, well, Manhattan's not, you know, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> um, not what, <laughs> it's not what it's made out to be. <laughs> um, that was such a good impression of me. Wow. <laughs> Red you. <laughs> so I thought, okay, hell, there you go, Manhattan. Uh, and then I was asking where all the Koreans live. <laughs> and I was told, um, you know, they're everywhere, but there's quite a large percentage of them in Queens. So I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> you would love Queens, Gracie. Queens is the oh, best. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Is it? Most diverse place in the world, according to oh. somebody. Yeah, somebody said it one time. The and world. I really onto that. People ascribe this to Queens. Wow. I don't know what that exactly means and how one yeah, census data. quantifies that exactly. Mm. Like, but... But it was sad. Yeah. Queens is pretty sad. Yeah, you know, Queens is sick. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to live in heaven. Um, okay, Carter, okay. go ahead. We have to ask about, when I read the passage about the Imuki being named after members of BTS, I was like clutching the chair. I was so amazed by your bravery. I was like, how, how, how can someone have the real life courage <laughs> To, to wade into this. To wade into the BTS fandom. <laughs> to wade into ARMY. <laughs> that is my question. Like, how have you... Um. How, how have you become such a courageous person? What, what does it take to, to become someone of such strong moral fortitude? Okay, now I'm scared. <laughs> you're, stop you're scaring me. Gracie. She's not on the same corners of Twitter that you are. It's no, gonna literally, be okay. I've seen some YouTube comments where it's like, whoa, this is, this is so much. And I... Stand this is why I was like, 
that's brave. That's so brave. But also I respect it. And I really found it really very funny as well. <laughs> okay. Well, if I'm not here next year, um, we'll know what. <laughs> it was the army. <laughs> they got me. They got me. Um, but also, also, the emogis are lovable. You know, maybe not initially, but they are lovable. We get there, and, we get there, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> don't kill me, please. <laughs> it's all a shout out. It's all a call in. Do you do you do you have a bias? Do you have a favorite song you wanna you wanna plug? <laughs> favorite member? Uh, yeah, my bias is Namjoon. Um, sure, 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 sure. Um, I love him. I love his very writerly. Pick. His like you know Big Brother vibe. You know yeah, just that yeah. kind of like. I'm under my wing. I got you. You know, I love, I just love that about him. And um, I was watching that clip where he's preparing for the UN uh, address. Wow. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but he's like preparing behind the scenes. And the others are like being jokey and kind of like letting off steam, just, you know, being, being who they are. And he's like serious, you know, he's like calm with them when they're joking around with him, but he's like calm and he's preparing and he's so like conscientious and he's taking it so seriously. And I just, I, I love that. Good, like, responsible man. <laughs> you know, hard-working, responsible man. Oh, so true. Give me a real man any day. There is reference. There's a specific reference made at a later point in the book. Um, There's, to... like, multiple references to this, I Okay. Think. There's multiple references to perhaps methods of travel between different underworlds from different cultural mythologies Care to comment on perhaps <laughs> the future uh, traveling <laughs> between said underworld and perhaps future books? Okay, I, I'll be really honest here. I can't promise that there will be travel between underworlds and future <laughs> books. But I wanted to put that in there specifically because, you know, we all have such different beliefs about the afterlife. And, mm-hmm. you know, the author's note kind of goes, oh, I think there's an author's note in there. But anyway, yes. you know, I... The idea that, um, you know, we all have different beliefs and the afterworld is such a such a scary area of contention for lots of people because we don't know what happens, right? And there is such a diverse range of options of what could happen to us. And I wanted to, I guess, acknowledge that even though this is a fictional world, um, that in this fictional world, there's one belief that they have about what happens to us when we depart this earth. But that that's not the only way. And that just because this world is set with characters who believe one belief does not discount all the other beliefs that they can Mm -hmm. and could exist in unison somehow. I wasn't sure how to explore that without actually having the characters go to these places. But I thought, yeah, what if we just mention that actually when you are just as in earth, we can take a plane and go to Italy or Greece or Korea or wherever that perhaps in the underworld, it's the same, you know, you have your place that you may have been born into, I guess, or like died into, <laughs> but you can also then travel and visit other places. And maybe it's just like here. It's maybe it's like travel, you know, mm-hmm. um, who knows, but I guess it's for me, um, wishful thinking that I yeah. I don't know I sometimes think of you, you watch the news and it's so depressing all these wars and fights and politics around what is at its core something as fundamental as religious belief or spiritual belief mm-hmm. and often you know we're all talking about similar things or at least um 
if we're not talking about the same God with different names or gods, plural, mm. we're at least talking about the same concept, you know, of a life after death or of an existence mm-hmm. in the after. And I just think it's so sad that we become so disparate in that, you know, like what if it's so hard to understand what happens afterwards, why is it not a possibility that in this impossible next world that we could be united in a similar way? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not too sure what I'm saying, except to say that I love the idea that we could all coexist somehow. Absolutely. And also all dogs go to heaven. Also that, yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that, is, that is a statement in this book. <laughs> so no worries there. Well, thank you so much, Gracie. Um, that was a beautiful final uh, answer was, to end on. I mean, yes. wow, I'm going to I'm gonna sleep and have beautiful dreams tonight um, about world peace um, and accepting and tolerating each other's religion. Um, the Last Fallen Moon drops June 7th, which I think is when we will be releasing this episode. So if you haven't already pre-ordered from Barnes & Noble or your local bookstore, you better hop in your car, get on your skateboard, and zoom, zoom, zoom <laughs> on over and pick up a beautiful hardback copy of this novel. Thank anything you else you so would like much. to add or chime in or say anything, Gracie? No, I mean, I really don't have anything else to add except to thank people who have taken time out of their busy days and schedules to grab my book and read it. I just think it's such an honor to have people sharing that with me. And for those people who reach out and share their thoughts with me, honestly, every single message I get makes my world. It means everything to me. And so if anybody wants to reach out, I know sometimes people will stop themselves from doing it because Mm. they think that they shouldn't or because I'm busy or whatever, but no, genuinely, I love if I love and read and will respond to every single one. So, so yes, if you would like to get in touch, please do. DM Gracie guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us by the last fallen moon, get hype for last fallen realm, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you.